0: Welcome to Raven Debriefs. I'm your host, Jamie Lee Gonzalez. As we record this, Gacatla Nation is in court with a legal challenge against the BC government and several mining interests who are allowing mining in a salmon estuary without Indigenous consent. The area in question, Banks Island, is still recovering from when a company called Yellow Giant Mine polluted streams, lakes, and wetlands. After a whistleblowing employee alerted the province, the company was ordered to stop operating and clean up the site, but they cut and run, and Gekatla lives with the fallout. Today on the podcast, we're going to hear from a different kind of mining company in BC. First Telerium are intervening in support of upholding First Nations' free, prior, and informed consent over mining claims in their territories. So in this episode, Ruben Tillman of Ng Eres Fong interviews um, a chairperson from First Telerium Corporation about responsible mining in the age of UNDRIP. So we're going to hear from a mining company CEO how it's good business to build relationships and get consent from First Nations before staking mineral claims. This is the second of three guest podcast episodes with the Eris Fong team. We're really grateful to them uh, as they put in long hours every day at the B.C. Supreme Court this month, representing Gekatla. Pour yourself a mug of tea and get ready to hear from a different kind of company, one that embraces Indigenous consent as a way forward for responsible Business practices.
1: Hello, uh, just Before we get to our second podcast uh, with Tony Fogarasi, just to note that uh, Tony graciously uh, was joining the podcast while on vacation. Um, So we did this by Zoom and uh, there were some audio connectivity issues. So um, we just had to do some editing post-interview and you will notice this uh, partway through the interview. Uh, Just wanted to note that and uh, without further ado, here's the podcast. Uh, Hi, listeners, and welcome to our second podcast. I'm Reuben Tillman, a lawyer at Ingeris Fong, and I'm honored to be working on the upcoming court challenge to the free entry mineral tenure regime under the Mineral Tenure Act, which our client, Githatla Nation, is bringing to BC Supreme Court starting April 3rd. And Githatla says the BC government has a duty to consult before granting mineral rights to third parties in Githatla territory. The case raises many important issues, including the effect of the BC Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples Act, or DRIPA. And DRIPA says, the government must take all measures necessary to ensure the laws of British Columbia are consistent with the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, or UNDRIP. And we're arguing that granting mineral rights and allowing miners to explore for minerals on unceded First Nations territory is inconsistent with UNDRIP. Uh, The case also raises economic issues. Uh, How will the mining industry be affected if government must consult and get consent from First Nations before granting mineral rights? So joining me today to talk about this is Tony Fogarassi, a lawyer, geologist and chairperson of First Tellurium Corp. First Tellurium is a mineral exploration company and along with Kingston Geoscience, they're intervening in this case to provide the court with their unique perspective on these important issues. Uh, So, Tony, uh, thanks for joining the podcast.
2: You're welcome, Ruben. Uh, Thank you very much for the invitation.
1: All right. Um, So to start us off, um, can you just explain uh, who First Tellurium is and why you're intervening in this case?
2: Yeah. Well, First Tellurium Corporation is a publicly listed company on the Canadian Securities Exchange. So we're a public issuer, as lawyers like to call us. Uh, we've been uh, exploring for gold and silver as well as tellurium in, uh, in West Central British Columbia since about 2009. Uh, gold and silver, of course, we're all familiar with. Tellurium is a critical mineral, and uh, as a result, that's the namesake of our company. We've got uh, pretty significant amounts of tellurium um, in our um, in our deposit. Now, in terms of you know where we're coming from and, and where we're located in British Columbia, we have uh, four uh, First Nations uh, partners, uh, First Nations that we notify, that we consult with, that we seek their consent on in terms of moving our exploration project forward. So when we heard about the uh, the Gitzhala litigation uh, starting up, the, the petition, if you will, I guess it's called officially, starting up in October of 2021. Um, We reached out at that time to various folks to try to lend our support from an industry perspective, uh, because the one thing that we wear on our sleeve is the concept of free prior and informed consent. We're huge supporters of the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And that's the way we carry out our business. And so we wanted to do the right thing. We're we're not exploring, just to be clear, Ruben, we're not exploring in in Gitzala territory uh, on the coast of British Columbia, where we're inland. But certainly in terms of Gitzala, like many, many other nations in British Columbia, they've got unceded, unsurrendered territory, which in our view, in First Tellurium's view, uh, are, are lands which are ancestral that require consent at the end of the day for exploration and mining companies to carry out activities. And so, so with that, back in October of uh, 2021 uh, amongst our board of directors um, and uh, important others that are related to our company, including Kingston Geoscience, uh, we, we wanted to do something. We didn't know what we wanted to do at that stage. And, um, and then the proposal came forward. Well, why doesn't First Tellurium become an intervener in the case? And so the last year and a half... Give or take has been uh, been slowly working towards uh, applying for intervener status, which we did last December. and in January the uh, the court uh, approved our intervener application.
1: Yeah, no, great. Um, so yeah for uh, I mean from my uh, perspective, you know first tellurium's business model and uh, respect for uh, free prior and informed consent. Uh, it sounds innovative and i I wonder if you could speak to the views of the industry more generally is is there understanding that consent and respect for indigenous rights is good for business
2: yeah absolutely and and uh, we've always been a supporter of FPIC and the un declaration which uh, i think as many of your listeners know uh was passed by the un general assembly back in 2007 but it really wasn't until about 2018 when we apply for uh, membership in something called the Initiative for Responsible Mining Assurance. Did we become much more active in terms of supporting indigenous uh, rights including rights and title and uh, including consent i'll speak a little more about the indigenous or excuse me the initiative for responsible mining assurance or irma irma in a few moments here uh ruben but but in terms of the the business model and and the thought behind um doing business well you know doing business is, means doing it the right way and when you're in somebody's backyard like many of the nations in british columbia you need to generate the relationship you need to get the consent and you need to do it right you just can't show up one day with your backhoe so to speak and start digging up the land and taking out the metals far from it but i can tell you back in 2018 when uh when we were proceeding down the pathway to become a member of uh of irma irma the initiative responsible mining assurance um we started becoming much more active in 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 terms of uh uh, in providing our support both in our news releases and in presentations uh, of the UN Declaration, uh, as well as uh, as free prior and informed consent. And let me just speak to that briefly. I think it's important for your listeners to know this, Reuben, Back in 2019, British Columbia became the first jurisdiction in Canada to uh, pass and implement uh, legislation to bring the United Nations Declaration into law in British Columbia. And that was in November of 2019. You might recall that it was a unanimous vote of the British Columbia legislature. All parties, the Greens, the NDP, the Liberals unanimously passed the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples Act. And and when that legislation was being debated in Victoria, in the legislature, we... We decided we were going to do something and let industry know that this was the right way to go. And so we put an ad in the Globe and Mail newspaper just days before the vote uh, in the legislature on, on the bill at the time. It was known as Bill 41. That's the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples Act. And it, it was not only ourselves, but it was a suite of other companies uh, who also were uh, were named, if you will, in that advertisement Um, and and these were companies for the most part of course exploration companies but we also had one one metal producer in there so we had actual mining company not just an exploration company and at at that time we were um, we were we were few in number but strong in voice and since 2019 and since the passage of the legislation uh, we've seen more and more junior companies uh, embrace the UN declaration embrace the notion of of consent and, and not just notification not just consultation which i know that gets out cases about consultation but also the notion of of consent and and the best way to uh, to underscore that notion from a commercial standpoint is is to go to the initiative responsible mining assurance website
1: okay so yeah sorry there was a bit of a connection issue but uh, tony you um you were just about to talk about uh the initiative for re- responsible mining assurance so um please go ahead
2: yeah so so the initial initiative for responsible mining assurance irma i r m a is a voluntary mining standard and by way of voluntary it means that any company in the world can agree to it it's a set of standards that involve uh, social issues, environmental issues, um, addresses indigenous rights. It basically is a, is a code of conduct, if you will, of doing exploration and mining right, but it's voluntary. It's not meshed into British Columbia law or Canadian law or any other jurisdiction, but it's a very much a high-bar standard. And, and the reason it's a high-bar mining standard is that it is – as our research has shown, the only standard in the world which truly embraces the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Consent is woven into that standard. Now, you might say, gee, Tony, so what? So you're a member of a voluntary mining standard. Uh, what does that mean? Well, what it means is other members of IRMA include uh, not only mining companies and exploration companies, but it also includes end users, the end purchasers of metals who want to purchase metals that are responsibly, ethically, sustainably resourced from various parts of the planet. And examples of end users or downstream purchasers of metals who are members of Irma include little tiny companies like Tesla and BMW and Microsoft and Tiffany and company. Um, These are all companies who want to ensure that the metals they use in their jewelry or their devices or their products or their electric vehicles, all those metals, those minerals are sourced responsibly, ethically and sustainably. And and I'm really strumming this chord here, uh, Ruben, because this is the business paradigm going forward. More and more metals that are being used in the end products that you and I and, and your listeners use Um, are being sourced with that that responsibility stamp on them. And that's what First Tellurium is all about. And that's why we see other juniors and mining companies who are meeting the IRMA standard or who want to meet the IRMA standard because it's a very lengthy, very in-depth process to be audited by IRMA. They're third-party auditors. It takes years to go through the process. And ultimately, when the metals, if you will, are, are certified, and they go into an electric vehicle battery, you know those metals are clean and they're green and they're sustainable, and they also meet the requirements of the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. That's what IRMA is all about, and that's why we're very proud to be the first exploration company to be part of that voluntary standard. It is a standard uh, which is second to none, and it's not just me saying it, Ruben. Um, There are now peer-reviewed papers that have gone through and examined mining standards from around the world and at the top of the top of the pile so to speak is IRMA they are constantly rated as being the best voluntary mining standard and that's something that all companies should aspire to But, but again getting back to that commercial case yeah we're all driven by by profit, right? We all want to make money and put money into our genes, but at what costs? And from first tellurium standpoint, it's not going to be at the cost of indigenous people's rights and title. It's just not going to happen. That's not why we got into the business. Um, we've worked with companies who are our partners and we've made some hard decisions about, uh, but not exploring for metals, critical minerals and metals in areas where a first nations government says, you know what? We don't want you to state claims there, or we don't want this valley to be dug up and, and developed into a mine. And we respect that and we say, all right, thank you for letting us know that's the case. And you know, we'll obviously accede to, to what your nation requires. Um, now, one might say, gee, doesn't that shut down a lot of British Columbia to exploration and mining? And my response is uh, no, because there are lots of nations who don't oppose mining they just oppose mining that's not done right. And by doing it right, if you do it within the four corners of say the IRMA voluntary mining standard, you do it within the four corners of a given nation's exploration and mining code, because many nations, uh, Ruben, as you and your listeners might know, have developed their own exploration and mining codes, if you will, rules very similar to legislation that we have that conducts exploration on Crown land in British Columbia under the Mineral Tenure Act, which, of course, is the subject of the Getzala litigation. Um, there are there are opportunities, many opportunities in British Columbia for exploration and mining companies to forge relationships with First Nations governments, with First Nations peoples, with First Nations entrepreneurs, in terms of moving exploration and mining projects along to to ultimate production.
1: Hmm. Well, yeah, no, that's that's fascinating and and very encouraging for the future. Um, and finally, I, I just have one more question, um, and uh, just briefly. So you, you've touched on it a little bit, but can you say why this case uh, and why a challenge to the Mineral Tenure Act in BC is important uh, to you and and First Tellurium?
2: Yeah, right now, anybody. Get a mineral title with, as we like to say, a click of the mouse. So a credit card, uh, click of the mouse gives you tens, hundreds, thousands of hectares of, of, of mineral rights. And from our standpoint, we are a consent-based company. Before we acquire mineral claims, we approach a nation. Before we submit an application application for an exploration or a mines act permit we approach the first nations and we seek their consent uh, we, we we try to do that first and not second in the sense of oh we've talked to the crown the crown says it's okay then the first nation obviously is going to approve the permit et cetera. no far from it the, the real government on the ground ruben is the first nation and, and in, in the territories where Uh, First Nations lands have not been ceded. They've not been surrendered. They've not been sold in any way. Um, Those lands are the First Nations lands. Um, We're actually there at the invitation of the First Nations. We're not there at the invitation of the government of British Columbia. I can assure you of that. But unfortunately, over the last century and a half, the way the, as you know, as a lawyer, the way the law has evolved, uh, effectively, the, the British Columbia government has assumed command and control over every square centimeter of, of the province of British Columbia. And as we know, with a number of uh, very prominent First Nations in British Columbia, that that's really that's really not how things evolved. <laughs> we, we're actually the squatters. We're the ones that have come in and taken over the lands. Mm-hmm. It's not First Nations that's sort of sitting there. Far from it. Um, they were and uh, still are very vibrant, very economic societies, uh, looking out for the land, looking out for their people.
1: All right. Um, all right. Well, I, I, I think I've taken up enough of your time, and I, I, I understand you. You are on vacation, so much appreciated. And uh, thanks for taking the time out of your vacation to speak about this. I think it was a great discussion and I hope you're looking forward to the upcoming hearing as much as I am. Um, So thank you. And uh, yeah, and uh, just a preview for next time Uh, on our next podcast. uh, We hope to have some representatives from uh, the First Nations who are intervening in this case uh, to talk about how BC's mining laws have impacted them. Uh, there will be further updates on this case on Raven Trust's website. That's raventrustalloneword.com. Uh, so uh, please check in there and at our own website. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you again, Tony, and to our listeners. Uh, we'll see you next time.
0: Since you're here listening to Raven Debriefs, you probably already know the multitudes of reasons we should be in solidarity with Indigenous sovereignty, but as you heard from Ruben and Tony, it's also just good business to build relationships and get consent from First Nations before staking mineral claims. Kakatla intends to push the BC government to make that law, and the Raven community is behind them every step of the way. We're so grateful to the legal team at Ng Eris Fong, who are working flat out to deliver their arguments in court this month. Donate to Catla's legal challenge at raventrust.com slash and we'll triple your donations through to the end of April 2023. Thanks for listening, and please, if you like what you heard, pass it on. Subscribe, share, and review Raven Debriefs from wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jamie Lee Gonzalez. Take care and go well.